Alafa friends, welcome. So I wanted to provide a clarification to a question I received. And this was actually something that I had thought about before. So it's very timely. So thank you so much for asking this question. Um, so for this one, there's going to be a link provided to the exact writings for from the Universal House of Justice so that you can also read it and reflect on it yourself with their words and see what the inspiration is. And I'm, I would be so happy to hear your thoughts and your reflections when you read them. But essentially what I understood was um, uh, the National Spiritual Assembly of Norway had asked a question to the Universal House of Justice about meditation. So there was a national, I think there was a letter that said, a letter from the counselors perhaps, if I'm remembering this correctly, to make, to learn about how to make the community more spiritual, like spiritualizing the growth or expediting the growth of the community. And when the National um, Baha'i Committee teaching committee um, got together and they read this quote and they were so inspired um, by the writings that always talks about meditation and prayer, both of these things. So what they did, I believe, it doesn't say it very clearly in the, it doesn't say exactly what they did, but this is my interpretation, is that they had perhaps hired someone that did a meditation and it didn't go so well in the sense that the people who received it, some were very confused and repelled by it. Others found it very helpful and very uplifting. And so this is the letter from the house that clarified that, you know, these sort of um, meditation, as you know, doesn't have, um, the guardian clarifies this, that we can choose any type of meditation to use to practice in our in our daily things. There's no other definition other than Abdul Baha's definition of meditation as posing a question to your spirit and waiting for its answer. And so as I mentioned in the beginning of this um, these recordings that that in at least the Baha the yogic um, perspective is quite a high level. And what I have personally found in people just being really disheartened of not being able to do that because they haven't taken the necessary steps or taken just a bit more time to think about, oh, actually sitting down and opening a book immediately to prayer and then berating yourself afterwards for not being able to focus. I mean, there's a disconnect there. And what I hope to do is that people to feel that they, there are no barriers so that if they do experience these sort of, if they're not able to focus in a prayer or they're not able to connect to questions within their soul, that they learn what at least yoga talks about, the prerequisites of getting to that state, which is silence, which is to sit and pause and reflect. And that if you have bajillion things in your mind and then you sit down to pray how can you how can you actually like expect to receive answers right so it's very it's very confusing and it's so it's such a struggle that even the prayer process and actually this is the most beautiful thing that I've heard uh, that I've read from Abdu'l-Bahá something that I really needed in my own life 
is that Abdul Baha had talked about that even when you sit down to pray and meditate and everything, you've done it all, you've done everything of what Baha'u'llah said to do, what Abdul Baha has counseled, all of it. And then you still come out of prayer sad or you're still not um, comforted in a sense to go and do service for others. Essentially what that means in yoga is shift your focus from inwards to outwards. Like there's just another language to say it. And so it's also shifting because we're also asked not to reflect on our negative faculties, right? Like if we, if we're, if we don't do well in one thing, it's okay. You know, kind of expected. That's why we got Abdu'l-Baha there as an example for us. So, I mean, we have so many assistances there to support us, but not always do we receive them in a timely way, in a timely manner, or sometimes even there's a mental disconnect of thinking that it's praiseworthy to berate yourself and to think that that's spiritual progress. Like, you know, there's some sort of twisted, warped sort of feelings. And so going back to the Universal House of Justice message of what it said to the Norwegians, uh, the National Spiritual Assembly of Norway, is to say that many people will benefit from specific types of meditation. And if they do, that is wonderful and they should go do it, but in their individual time. So for a structured sort of um, uh, practice, so like they were describing also group therapy. So a lot of times in yoga, it is a highly encouraged, it's an energetic form of healing for everyone to come down and meditate together. It's, it's a, wow, like it's so wonderful. But what the Universal House of Justice has said that these sort of spiritualizing the community cannot be done. Certain things cannot be done in a group setting for group therapy. You know what I mean? So he, they were saying that for the National Teaching Committee to be able to um, organize a specific type of meditation and then apply it to the entire Baha'i community, perhaps in that sense, it was not like that should not be allowed. However, if people do find it interesting or helpful to themselves in their own spiritual growth to go seek these sort of um uh, meditations, then they're welcome to do so. But then to also remember that it doesn't substitute personal meditation and prayer, like reading the writings, the Baha'i writings and saying prayers. Those are the two things that Baha'u'llah has said that those are the things that are going to like purify the soul and really scrub it like clean. And the other things, really what I want to do is just to actually help you do those things better. It's not a substitute for just doing these things. However, sometimes you do need to take some time to train yourself because this is a faculty. And we're slowly understanding how these spiritual faculties have are like kind of required for us to get there. They require systematic training. They require the first you do this, second you do this. Then you do this, and then you do this. 
So in science, we have very methodical ways in which to get to discoveries. And yoga is the spiritual science to get to those same spiritual insights. It's a systematic way of tracking your growth. You you don't need to be of any particular religion to use the yogic science of spirituality. But it's very interesting because spirituality is something that is different for everybody. Like the way you connect with God, the way you speak to God, the way you feel God, the way you, oh my God, like you have favorites in the Baha'i faith, like which central figure you um, connect to the most. You know, not all of us will connect to the same people. And it's, it's a mystery really why this is, but it's so beautiful. And it's like, and in fact, in the, in yoga, it describes of how each discipline in yoga. So they have types of yogas that are just devotional in character. And then there's just action in, in, in itself. And then there's just cleansing and purifying. And a person would choose each type of yoga according to their individual temperaments. And so how interesting, like in science, you can be very methodical with objects. You have to calculate, measure them. There's numbers and things like that. However, even within the spiritual vastness of this universe, in yoga, when it comes to spirituality, like, you know, the reason why we have nine sides on our uh, on our Baha'i houses of worship, they're symbolic of the multiple paths that we have to connect to God, to that point. And if if we notice that always the dome is at a center point, or like, you know, inside when you look at it, there's the there's that point of the the holy names, like the symbol of the holy name right at there. So that is the center point and all the other things are the paths and the rays and the different realities that all go to the same place. All of it goes to the same place. So that's why in the beginning I felt it was important for me to share that if it doesn't rub you the wrong way, it's totally okay. It's just not the pathway in which you climb. But I already know you're climbing somewhere else and someplace else. And so Really, it's just what would be the quickest way for you? That's something that requires reflection, personal reflection, because I know that as much as yoga works for me and I love teaching it, it's not other people's quickest way. They probably have 101 monuments in front of them to be able to truly experience yoga. But if they chose a different path, like Abdu'l-Baha, man, boom, right there, they're there. You know, like it's just, it's just different accessing points. So I did want to mention that it is, that these meditations are definitely not a substitute. However, they can serve to expedite some people's. And then but it can also hamper other people. So I am aware of both these things and I wish for you to also be aware of them. And so some things that people have shared with me that they like 
specific types of meditations that I have put out and others they have like they haven't been able to it's just not where they're at and where they want to um um progress in their spiritual path and that's wonderful that you have this um awareness and I want to commend you for that and so if you do just if the if one is not resonating with you skip it and just move on to the next one because all of them are going to kind of reflect a different aspect of the same reality some of them are going to be heavy on the Baha'i writings others are going to be more on imagery on focusing on your senses and your feelings and like what's going on in your body because some people connect that way Others connect through the mind, and then there's others that connect straight to the soul. And so part of this is actually just gaining an awareness about what is it? Where where do you work best through? I know for myself, the intellect is very important, like the brain, but it's also very important for me to feel. And so for me, like the, the quote that talks about um, how each action is is governed by a spirit. You know, the spirits that we talk about are spirits of justice, are spirits of love, of reciprocity, of, you know, just kindness. And then the action, according to that context, is very different. So the action of kindness in, let's say, uh, a genocide is to stand up and perhaps even be, the action would be in violence, you know, because that is what justice is. That's an extreme, genocide is an extreme form of an injustice, but a kindly act in that moment is to fight against it. It's, and it would be counter. It's not to practice compassion in that kind of sense and to be like, oh, it's okay. You know, some people feel like, no, (laughs) when it gets to a certain point, like, there requires a certain spirit to an action. So within these meditations, we're doing so many things. And it's important to be clear about what we're doing. One is that we're trying to feel the spirit of the writings of God, of spirituality, of religious text, all of these things. Feel it physiologically. I want you to experience it in your gut, in your stomach, in your heart, in your brain, in your throat, in your mind, all of it. I want you to like feel it physiologically because that is an important aspect of being moved by the writings. But then others also need to comprehend it. You need to also be able to express it in words, in language that attracts the human heart and evokes emotion in other people, right? Like that's how we move each other. It's like how, like not only with the words that we speak, but also the spirit that is behind it, you can hear it. Like whatever is coming back there. And it's also another way of being able to distinguish between spirit and form. And what is a form and what is the spirit? And so a lot of them, some of the meditations like the heart meditation, the breath meditation, those are vehicles. They're not the end. They're for you to experience something else. The meditation itself can become a distraction for some people. In fact, 
sometimes the calm and the tranquility and the serenity, people become attached to that in meditation and they forget that they were trying to seek God. <laughs> like they were, they become attached to those feelings of, you know, some meditations, like they, they move the breath so strongly that they, that they, they make you sweat. And then people can become attached to that sweat or that sensation of feeling of sweat that they forget to look for God afterwards. You know, you get to a point where you get to milestones and then you just get trapped in those milestones and you fail to keep going because you had a goal in your mind that you wanted meditation looks like this or meditation looks like that. And for me as a yoga teacher and as a Baha'i, I wanted to share with you the possible barriers and obstacles that we put in front of ourselves to communicate to communicate with God and to be aware of it and to really um, account for it. Have a way, have a mechanism, a tool for you to be able to kind of measure how that um, what are those obstacles that come in your mind? Is it the feeling? Is it the thought? Is it the mind? Is it the soul? What is it that stops you from getting towards God? I mean, there's so much in the writings already that describe what could be a barrier for us, but then sometimes on the practical level, which the Baha'i faith leaves, oh my God, a ocean of vastness to explore. Yoga is one of those things where if you're interested, it can be one of those explanations. But even after you've learned all the yogic management, there's still many other ways in which to explore this vast ocean. The beauty that we have in the Baha'i writings is that we have so much freedom. We have so much freedom with this lo- these laws. We're given the lampposts, the basics, the important things. And those need to be done for show. They need to be followed to a T. Then, if you're still having difficulty, then these meditations would be so helpful. And I can say that, you know, even when I was doing my yoga teacher training, I had to daily, hourly, classly, Go back to the writings to be like, okay, what did what what does this mean in the Baha'i writings? Like, how does the Baha'i writings describe this? How does it? And what I found is that yoga gives you the answer, one possible answer, and the Baha'i writings gives you the overview of the possibilities. And so this is the greater covenant that we have, which is the supreme. Nothing is greater than this. And yoga is those practical daily things to help you get by more quickly, more easily, perhaps. So I hope this explanation helps. I'll include some of the links that you guys could reference to. I highly recommend it. It's so wonderful. And please do share with me your insights because I am also learning with my understandings of the the 
the guidance from the Universal House of Justice. And so please, please help me out too in my understandings. I would love to hear your thoughts.